Welcome to the Burand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions about important insurance topics you can implement in your business to become a more effective professional. We're going to jump right into the discussion today. Chris and I are joined by Bob Ford. Bob, welcome. Thank you. And if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, you guys. It's a real privilege to be here, and I, I have been looking forward to it. So uh, uh, we're going to have some fun together. Uh, my background is I've uh, been a uh, an agency owner. Uh, I hail from North Dakota, and I have uh, practiced in the insurance industry for 47 years in uh, North Dakota and uh, neighboring states as well. Uh, so uh, as an agency owner, it's been a heck of a ride. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot over the years. I have uh, since sold my agency and I am now employed with uh, a larger group that operates in three states. And uh, currently my job is uh, now the director of employee development. So I spend most of my time training people these days. Very nice. And in, in our industry with so much need for talent. I think that that training can keep you more than a full-time job. It definitely is. There is no shortage of something to do, but I'll tell you what, the rewards of it are absolutely unlimited uh, to see uh, people come along and develop their skills. And uh, most importantly, to develop the skill to be able to protect the client's financial future in a better way. It's, it's just, um, I just don't want to quit doing it. It's a lot of fun. Very nice. Very nice. So as you're training people, right, they're, they're going out there trying to make that contact. And I think this still is a very personal business and we're protecting people from uh, protecting the, the things they've built over the course of their life. How do you get people to, especially the, the newer folks in the industry, to gain trust with, with prospects, with their clients, and really establish that relationships that you had for so many years? Well, that's really what it's about, Paul, isn't it, is gaining trust, because we really can't make a sale unless we have the trust of the buyer. And I, I delineate, I guess, if you will, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes here, but I delineate the process between what I would call a typical insurance agent as opposed to an insurance advisor. And so the approach is completely different between the two. As an example, in the purest sense or the simplest sense, an insurance agent is one who goes out and says, hey, uh, do you mind if I give you a quote on your insurance? And then they take the policy back to their office, look at it, fill out the application, send it in for a quote and get it back, go out, make the presentation and then, you know, hope like they're going to get the business. When you're looking at trying to build trust, that typically doesn't go a long way. So if you take a, an advisory approach to the insurance sale and the protection of the insured's business, if you will, then it's a much easier job to gain that trust before attempting to ever make the sale, if you will. The way that we go about looking at gaining trust is if you, if you kind of um, 
oh, in your mind, imagine a circle. It's 360 degrees around. And I want to take you on a trip around that circle just for a second. So we'll start at the very bottom of that circle. And at the very bottom of the circle, we have what I would label as a little box there called the insurance advisor. Now, I made my living on cold calls. I absolutely loved cold calls. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, my name is Bob. I'm a really good insurance person. Can I interest you in a second opinion on your current coverage program? I, I, I just felt like I got to meet new people all the time. Now, I understand other people don't do cold calls. Some people operate on referral only. What I'm about to describe to you in this circle, it works no matter what method that you're using. So uh, bear with me. Now, the bottom of the circle, we've got the insurance advisor. So we're going to go make a contact with a prospect of some kind, whether it's cold call or a referral or whatever the case might be. You have to make some kind of an impression with that person or that buyer to gain their trust before they're going to be listening to much of what you have to say. And the easiest way to do that is to ask an awful lot of questions. So if we take the circle and we start our journey up the left-hand side, we're always gonna go on a clockwise basis here. So we make the journey up the left-hand side and about two thirds of the way up the left-hand side, we stop and there's another box. And that box is entitled Uncover Risk. Okay, so instead of asking somebody, can I give you a quote on your business? You're really saying, hey, can I get to know you a little bit better and how you tick and how you operate and how your business operates? So that's where we start in with the questions, if you will. But, and the questions are what's going to uncover the risk. Now, from that standpoint, the next part of our journey is to move across the top of that circle. And now you come down to the right-hand side of that circle about halfway down and you say, all right, what questions am I going to ask? If I'm going to ask questions to uncover the risk, what am I going to ask? Well, you have to know coverages before you know what questions to ask. And so if you're just simply asking, what's your name? What's your address? Give me your social security number. What's your FIEN number and so on and so forth. You're not gaining any trust whatsoever. But if you're able then to get a grasp of the knowledge of the coverage that you're trying to incorporate into your questioning technique, that's where you develop the recognition by the prospect that, hey, this person is different. This person knows what they're doing. And not only that, but they're interested in me and my business. <clears throat> so I hope that makes sense. That circle continues to go around and around and around, and it never stops. It's a complete perpetual circle. I'm an advisor. I ask questions. In order to ask questions, I have to know the coverage. When I know the coverage, I come back around to asking more questions, acting as an advisor and gaining trust. Hope that makes sense, you guys. Give me your thoughts on that. 
Well, I sure think it makes sense. I know Chris was was smiling and nodding along with that because you talked about coverages, which I'm just going to kick that to him. That's that's a, a fiddle he likes to play. <laughs> well, you're right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cartoon characters that can sell insurance without worrying whether coverages are covered or exposures are covered just fine. And artificial intelligence is here. It's going to sell sell insurance just fine without any personal relationship or learning about a person's needs or exposures, and probably without caring a whole lot about protecting a person's financial uh, well-being. What's left for the human that's any good and who actually truly cares about their clients is that you have to know your coverages in order to understand a person's exposures. They go hand in hand. It's not one without the other. And um, Bob Bob sent me a case this morning that really gets towards that point. It's pretty interesting. It has to do with the BIPA coverages. And the judge in the case ruled that uh, the insurance carrier was for all practical purposes, selling illusory coverage. Well, if you don't know how the policy reads versus the person's needs, you're going to be selling illusory coverage more often than not. You have to know your forms, your policies, and then ask the questions, learn the exposures, and you will be very lucky to develop a lot of really, really wonderful relationships with a lot of clients for decades. And that is, there's a lot to be said for that. It really is. Absolutely. And when you're developing those relationships with people, one of the things in preparing for this, that Bob set out, he said, why the golden rule doesn't work in insurance sales. And I've always thought, you know, do you develop relationships by you know, treating others as you'd like to be treated, right? Um, tell us a little bit more about that, Bob. The golden rule doesn't work in insurance sales. I'm so glad that you introduced it in that manner, Paul, because one of the things I would have had to have done was to ask you or ask Chris or both of you, what's your definition of the golden rule? And, and virtually everybody knows that golden rule is to treat other people in the way that you want to be treated. The problem with that in insurance is it doesn't work. And it isn't going to allow you to gain a lot of trust with the prospect if that's the approach that you take. Because the way I want to be treated might be completely different than the way you want to be treated. So back to asking the questions again. We've got to figure out what is important to the prospect so that we can address their needs and not ours. And what too many people in our industry do is they approach this quoting process, and you can tell I kind of have a sarcastic bent toward the word quote. And in fact, in my training with producers, I I, uh, encourage them and I go so far as to say I won't allow them to use the word quote in their vocabulary. It's all about proposals. So when we're uncovering with these questions, what is it that is the pain point or the problem to the insured? 
we are now treating them in the way they want to be treated, not the way we want to treat them. It doesn't do any good to go to somebody and say, I've got a policy here with way better coverage. And then just kind of throw out the step one, step two, step two. Here's where the coverage is better. It's better. It's better. How many times has a producer made a proposal? And I'll just pick on commercial lines. <laughs> You've made a proposal on commercial lines and you're $50,000 low in your, in your, uh, presentation and you didn't get the business. And the reason you didn't get the business is you didn't get down to figuring out the way the prospect wants to be treated and what's important to them. So, I mean, I'm not here to argue with Jesus because that's where the golden rule came from, the gospels of Mark and, and uh, uh, Luke. But from that standpoint, what we have to do is learn to adapt our behavior. How do we adapt? We start to ask open-ended questions. Instead of closed-ended questions, how are you today? Fine. Hey, nice weather. Yep. Uh, do you want to? No. Are you sure you don't want to? No. It doesn't get us anywhere. If we ask questions, and here's what I, I train producers in all the time, open-ended questions are very difficult to train your mind to go that direction because we as human beings typically aren't wired that way. But if you, in the back of your mind, always keep this thought, every question I'm about to ask has to start with a W or an H. And if it starts with a W or an H, it's going to be an open-ended question. And an open-ended question is going to get the prospect talking. Not a yes, not a no, but a whole conversation is going to be started. Who, what, when, where, why, how. And I just added a new H the other day, which is help. So help me understand where you're coming from, right? So who put this number on your policy here. Where did this number come from? How did you come to the conclusion that you needed $4 million worth of business income insurance? And you know what you get back as an answer more often than not is, I don't know. Where did the number come from? I don't know. What did you tell your agent to put it there? No. Did your agent just put it there on, out of their own volition? I don't know. So now you've got a conversation starting. Let's dig in and delve into what business income is about, what it'll do for your business, how it will protect your financial future. And all of a sudden, you've got a whole different buy-in from the side of the prospect. Absolutely. I remember being in a sales meeting with with a producer on a pretty nice sized account he had developed a good proposal with his account manager and he's kind of presenting it but closed-ended questions you could almost see how the the prospect was wanting to have that conversation and he was just missing that opportunity to really be able to engage making the presentation um you know great coverage lower price, all the things you always hear and just completely missed because of those questions. 
Chris, yeah. I mean, you've, you've worked with a lot of producers. You see this probably often. Yeah, there's two things I'd like to chime in on. First of all is um, I saw a presentation a couple of months back where the producer went in and talked so long that the, at the end of the presentation, the, the uh, client says, that it was an awesome presentation all about you. Aren't you here to learn about me? And oh my. Yeah, that says it all, right? <laughs> so if you're if you're the producer and you're doing most of the talking, you screwed up. The client should be doing, the prospect should be doing most of the talking. Second part is the golden rule also doesn't work in managing producers. The golden rule is the worst thing in the world for managing producers because However, you have succeeded as a producer, a specific, or as an agency owner, or whomever you are listening, that worked for you. It's not what works for everybody else. And the training and the development of a producer needs to be specific to that person's needs for success, not their feelings for success, but their needs for success. And Every client I've ever had in 30 plus years of consulting that used the golden rule to develop producers, other than by luck, they never ever once had a successful producer. So the golden rule should pretty much just be banned, I think, from our industry. And let's just focus on that person sitting across from us, whether it's an employee, a prospect, or a customer, and focus on what they need rather than how we would want to be treated. That's the better rule. Agreed. So, and with that, you have a system, you have a process that you want to follow, but it needs to be customized to the individual, right? So if you're a, a producer, an account manager, or even an agency owner, uh, how, do you, how do you go about recognizing and, and making those adaptations Bob, that you've seen over the years to really focus in on, on what the task you're trying to accomplish rather than just that rote step-by-step. We talked about AI, you build in this little algorithm that this happens, then that happens, then that happens. And it really isn't able to be uh, customized or adapted. Well, Paul, that's a great question. And that kind of leads off into a whole nother topic that would be great for another podcast at some point. But um, there's a whole science behind behavioral styles. And I wouldn't call it personality styles because that's much more in complex, but behavioral styles. And the way God wired us was basically we have dominant styles and there are four to choose from. So I call them pragmatic, expressive, amiables, and thinkers. But who is it that you're dealing with? When you walk in and you say, hi, my name is Bob. I'm a really good insurance producer. Can I interest you in a second opinion on your current coverage program sometime? You've got a very slim margin of time to be able to identify how that person wants to be treated based on how they come back to you. So the easy answer is, are they open or are they self-contained? Are they direct or are they indirect? And once you've made that uh, observation, then you've knocked out 50% of the choices and you can quickly adapt your style to theirs 
to make sure that you're treating them the way they want to be treated. So if I were presenting to a director, what'd you say your name was again? Who are you with? Get to the point. Why are you there? What can you do for them? If they say, hey, I've been looking for time to take a coffee break, have a seat. There's a whole different style that we're going to be adapting ourselves to. So when we start talking about adaptation, um, that's a, that's another part of a very successful sales career is to learn and identify and put into practice that skill. Well, fantastic. Bob, thank you so much for sharing some of this wisdom with us today. I know that, uh, like you said, that behavioral styles and how to adapt is probably a, a topic all its own. Um, as we're wrapping up, Chris, any, any final thoughts on this, this discussion? Yeah, I have one other thought that wasn't brought up, but I want to I want to share with this with everybody in, out there that has um, always protested against my advice regarding the use of coverage checklist. Before we started this, Bob said his record was seven straight years with a hundred percent closing ratio, using a coverage checklist every single time, and. Um, People that use producers that use coverage checklists use them to ask questions. It is the most beautiful, simple tool out there for producers to create an environment in which you're asking questions and you're you're learning the behavioral style of the person across from you. It is not an E&O tool as much as it is a really, really good sales tool. And every single one of my clients who mandated the producers use coverage checklist because they never do it voluntarily has seen an increase in sales. And I just want to give that testimony out there, another additional proof that it works. And Bob is probably one of the best examples of, of how valuable it is if you want to increase sales. And I think we learned the questions that we ask are, are open-ended. Is It isn't just, do you need uh, business income, yes or no? No. <laughs> you don't want to buy any insurance today, do you? <laughs> no, it's all about, you know, if you know your coverages, then you can, you can understand the exposures and you can frame your questions the, the, the right way here. And at the end of the day, it's about protecting people's well-being. And that's the way we can do it. Just selling them an insurance policy isn't protecting them. It's pretty selfish, frankly. And if we're here to do good things for our world within our capacity, insurance is probably the most fantastic vehicle for making the world a better place while making a really good living. So... I like to end on on uh, just those few points real quickly there. And Bob, thank you so much. And we'll have you on again for uh, behavioral styles if you will if you'll be agree to join us. Be happy to come back anytime, you guys. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Well, Bob, thank you, and we thank everybody for taking the time to listen. And we look forward to talking with you next time.